The views and content expressed on the following program are provided solely for informational and entertainment purposes. They do not constitute legal advice. A podcast is not a substitute for retaining a competent, licensed attorney to advise you on your specific legal situation. How's it going, everybody? Welcome to the show. You are listening to the Break the Business Podcast. I'm Ryan Carella, and it is a pleasure to have you here this week for episode 146. So good to be hearing from all of you, and so, so excited that football is almost back. Oh my God, I have just been crawling through the sports desert waiting for that drink of pigskin-flavored water. I know my metaphors got a little sloppy there, but I'm just so excited that football's back. And it's back in a big way because tomorrow I get to watch my beloved Miami Hurricanes, the greatest football team that's ever graced the gridiron. And I don't want to hear your counter-arguments because I know you're going to say, oh no, my football team's the greatest football team. And I respect your opinion. It's just wrong because the Canes are clearly superior. They are the finest football franchise attending at the finest higher education institution that the world has ever known. And they're going to be playing LSU tomorrow. And it's so nice to have football back. That's going to be a big game. Two top 25 teams playing at AT&T Stadium where the Dallas Cowboys play. Oh, I'm so excited. Ooh, football's here. I'm excited for that. I know that has nothing to do with music, but you know how I get during football season, listeners. You know that when football season starts, I talk about it every week. I talk about my beloved Hurricanes as a grad of the University of Miami, go Canes, whoop, whoop, and I'm excited for all that. But that does not in any way temper my excitement for something I'm perhaps even more excited about, which is our guest this week. Gabe Kubanda is going to be joining us. He is a cool dude, man, a cool musician, cool businessman. You're going to learn a lot from this guy. He is the founder of the Epic Proportions Tour. This is a music touring company that, get this, they travel to high schools around the country and they do performances and they give hands-on lessons to the music students there. So they're rocking high schools and they're giving back to the next generation of musicians, helping them move their careers forward. I love everything about this, both as a music person that I am, but also if you know anything about me, you know that I'm a huge education advocate. I represent a lot of education clients in my legal practice. I'm very passionate about education. So when I see a musician out there who is not only combining my two worlds together, the music world and the education world, but is also devoted to giving back to that next generation of kids. Ooh, kudos to that guy. Love me some Gabe Kubanda. Excited to have him on in the next segment to talk about the Epic Proportions Tour and the work he's doing with high school kids. And I just kind of want to talk to him about the fact that he seems to have a cool niche here. You know, he's he's really carved out a nice little area for himself as a musician where he's, you know, he's making bank, he's doing some great things. He's awesome. And I kind of want to talk to him about how other artists can get into this world because I'm always looking for new opportunities for you as artists, new revenue streams, new places where you can take your art. And what I see what Gabe Kubanda's doing, I think to myself, man, other artists should be doing this. Why aren't artists touring high schools? Why aren't they going around the country playing for high schools and playing for colleges, playing for kids? Like, that's got to be cool. Kids love rock and roll too, man. So I want to talk to him about how others can get in on those opportunities as well because that just seems like a cool thing for artists like you to do. So that's all coming up in the next segment. So excited to talk to Gabe Kubanda about that. But first, let's talk about Taylor Swift. Let's talk about my girl Tay-Tay. 
I love me some Taylor Swift. She's so freaking talented, man. She is just, God, just everything about her. I I mean, I love her entrepreneurial spirit. I love her gumption. I love how she has trend, you know, has kept her career going for as long as it has. How she successfully navigated going from country music to pop music. And by the way, like there is a graveyard of artists who have tried to do that and have failed miserably. And the list of artists who've done it successfully is very, very small. It's like Taylor Swift and maybe Shania Twain and that's it because it's really hard to transition from country to pop. And Taylor Swift did it expertly. So, so cool. And she's, she's just amazing in so many ways. And not enough credit is given to her as a songwriter. Man, can this girl write. And just just really catchy pop songs that get stuck in your head, just like the earwormiest of earworms. So, so good. I think she got her first songwriting deal when she was like 13 or something. I mean, that's nuts. Like, when I, I was 13, I couldn't do anything, man. Like, I mean, I... I couldn't, I just, I was useless at 13, and at 13, she was writing songs that made the whole world sing, so I'm just, I'm a huge fan of Taylor Swift, let that be said, just love her, and so whenever there's an article that's coming out about Taylor Swift, I want to talk about it, especially an article that really implicates what we talk about on this podcast, which is indie music and keeping your independence in your career, staying away from record labels, and just achieving success on your own terms and being at the top of that pyramid, man. And that's what this Taylor Swift story is about. On August 27th, not too long ago, Variety reported that Taylor Swift's current deal with her record label Big Machine is going to expire in November, and it will be the first time since she was 15 years old that she will now have an opportunity to sign a new record deal with potentially a new label. And so the industry is now wondering, what's Taylor's next move going to be? What's she going to do here with this rare opportunity as a free agent that she's never had before in her entire music career. Is she going to re-sign with Big Machine? Is she going to find another label out there? Because she's got to be able to get a bidding war. Every label out there is going to want Taylor Swift in their stable. Or is she going to go independent? Is she going to be her own boss? Is she going to be her own label? Is she going to own her own masters? Is she going to own, is she going to be the person who gets paid first? Is she not going to get royalties, but she's going to get the money and then maybe pay somebody else royalties for serving her? Is she going to be the big kahuna? And that's what this is all kind of about right now, because we're all going to find out in November, because that's when this all wraps up, what's going to happen next. And I'm sure she's already entertaining all kinds of offers. And I'm excited to see what's going to happen here in a couple months, because it's going to be game changing for the industry. And selfishly, of course... You know, you know how this podcast works, and you know what we're about here at this podcast. I'd love to see her go independent. She could certainly do it, and she wouldn't miss a beat. She's got everything she needs to have an amazing career as an independent artist, and so why not go independent? And before we get into that discussion, because that is going to be a fun little discussion for us to have, make no mistake about it, because that's what we're here to talk about on the Break the Business podcast, but before we get into that, there's one thing about the article that I do want to talk about. And, and, I, and I sort of read it real quick, and it popped up, and it made me think. The article says that this is actually Swift's first opportunity to sign with a new label since she first signed with Big Machine, which is the label, at age 15. Holy crap. Wrap your head around what that means. She's 28 now. That means that she's been stuck in this Big Machine record deal for 13 freaking years. 
I've said this all the time on this podcast, and I'll say it again. Record deals are too damn long, man. I remember I remember a couple years ago, maybe a year or two ago, we were talking on this podcast about Kelly Clarkson and how she had just gotten out of her original deal with American Idol. So, I mean, I don't know, how long ago did she win American Idol? Like 2002, 2003? And then she had just... She had gotten her first post-American Idol deal last year or two years ago or something like that. So for that whole time, she was stuck in that record deal, and that was Kelly Clarkson. And now you see Taylor Swift going through the same thing. Like, it is nonsense. And if you're wondering why this happens, why do artists get stuck in record deals for so long? It's because of how they're built. And it's perhaps one of the most corrupt things about record deals. You see, most contracts that you work with, they're usually based on like a set term. This is a one-year term. It's a two-year term. It's a three-year term. That's generally the way contracts work in this world. They're, they're set by a period of time. The problem is record deals are almost always geared not around time, but around the number of albums. So it's a, it's a three-album deal or it's a five-album deal, but really the way it works is the label will say it's a three-album deal, but then the label has an option to get two or three more albums, and it's only their choice of whether they get to use you for more albums. And so they're the ones that have the control. Like, the artist doesn't have the option to decide whether or not he or she wants to do the additional albums. It's all on the label's side. And the problem with building a record deal around a number of albums is the record label controls everything about the album creation process. When you record, with whom you record, how many tracks, what studio. And so when you have full control over the recording process, the artist is at the mercy of when you want to make this album. And they can stretch these things out for years at a time. They can decide, well, you know, we don't think it's cost effective for you to release an album. So we're just going to keep you on ice for a year or two. Oh, so I can leave the deal? Oh, no, no, you can't leave the deal. We just don't want to record with you right now. Oh, can I make an album with somebody else? Oh, no, no, it's an exclusive deal. So you have to stay with us and you just don't get to do anything. And so these deals can go on for years and years and years. So you have people like Kelly Clarkson and you have people like Taylor Swift that get stuck in these deals for a decade and a half. And it's just wrong, man. It is Wrong, wrong, wrong on so many levels. And what we're seeing here with Taylor Swift having her first opportunity to get a new deal since she was 15 years old is just yet another example of how effed up record deals are, man. Anyway, but but I digress. Let's move on to the bigger question that's posed in the Variety article, which, by the way, you should definitely read. It's titled, Taylor Swift Stands to Make Music Business History as Free Agent. And let's talk about what Taylor Swift's move should be. So she can either stay with Big Machine re-up with them, get a new deal with them, go to a new label, and again, every freaking label is going to want her. I don't care what label you are. I don't care if you represent nothing but death metal didgeridoo artists. You're going to want Taylor Swift in your stable. What, what, you know, Or she can go independent, which is, of course, what Ryan wants her to do because I love me some independent artists and you know I love me some Taylor Swift, and so I would love those two things to come together. Independent Taylor Swift, big fan of that. And so, yeah, you know what my advice is going to be here. This podcast is all about the notion that any artist, even one just starting out, even one who doesn't have any resources, is better off staying independent than signing with a label because of all the dangers that are inherent with record contracts. And if you're wondering what those dangers are, maybe check out my book, Break the Business, Declaring Your Independence, and Achieving True Success in the Music Industry, available in paperback, ebook, and audiobook. Go to breakthebusiness.com or amazon.com. There you go. Quick plug. Done with that. Let's get back to the discussion here. So 
I think any artist, even one without resources, is better off staying independent than signing a potentially dangerous record deal. So if that's the case, then certainly an artist like Taylor Swift, who's got resources for days, is going to be better off doing things on their own than being with a label. Anything that Taylor Swift, uh, anything that a, I'm sorry, anything that a label does, Taylor Swift can do on her own better. Anything that Big Machine can do for Taylor Swift, Taylor Swift can do for herself better. She's got the resources. She's got the connections. She's got the power in the music industry. Over a quarter billion in net worth, Taylor Swift. She's worth over a quarter billion dollars. She sold over 30 million albums in the U.S. She has over 100 million paid downloads. That's second all time just behind Rihanna. She regularly grosses. I mean, I had to double take when I read this number. She regularly grosses five to six million dollars per show when she performs live. Oh my God. Just, oh my God. Like, that's nuts. So, Forget big machine. She has the power to build her own very big machine. She can do this on her own. I mean, I've been thinking about Taylor Swift for a long time about this because and this is going to be sort of a digression, but um, a, a few of you know that one of the legal projects that I work on is I'm one of the legal people for Pitbull's New Year's Revolution. So this is a New Year's Eve show that Pitbull runs. It's been on the Fox Network. It's been on Univision. And it's an awesome show. It's sort of like the alternative to Times Square. You know, you can watch the ball drop with Ryan Seacrest, and that's all fine and good. Or you can, you know, watch the Big Orange in Miami. It's 70 degrees outside. There's people dressed up in sexy clothes as opposed to New York City where everybody's freezing to death. And it's a fun show, and it's been such an honor to work on it for all these years. And it's Pitbull's show. Pitbull's the the, the big guy at the top of the pyramid. It's his New Year's revolution. And when I think of the fact that Pitbull has his own New Year's show, and then I think of like Taylor Swift every year is just like the paid talent on somebody else's show. Like Taylor Swift goes and just gets paid talent to be on the Ryan Seacrest show or something like that. I always think to myself, why doesn't Taylor Swift have her own New Year's Eve show? Taylor Swift has the power to go to any TV network right now and say, what's your production budget for New Year's Eve? Give it to me. I will make your New Year's Eve show. It'll be Taylor Swift's New Year's Eve. I'll 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 hire the people. I'll build everything. You give me the production budget. I'll get all my friends to perform with me. It's going to be the biggest television spectacular ever. And I bring my giant Taylor Swift army that follows me wherever I go to watch this thing on television. You're going to have the best ratings because I'm Taylor freaking Swift. And I'm going to be the top of the pyramid. I'm going to be paid first. Why wouldn't she do that, man? I mean, if Pitbull can have his own New Year's Eve show, like Taylor Swift, my God, can do it too. And so... For anybody, if there's anybody in the industry that needs to not think of themselves as just another piece of paid labor as opposed to the boss, it's freaking Taylor Swift. And so, I mean, so that same principle applies with her in the in the record uh, in the record label context. This is what it's all about. It's about getting paid first. It's about being paid as the top executive, as the big owner, not just the talent. That's what the whole game is. You want, to, you want independence because you get paid first. And that's the thing you need to keep in mind when you hear people saying that she should resign with Big Machine because those people are out there. People are saying, yeah, she could go independent, but t- Big Machine is going to back up the Brinks truck for her if she resigns with them. They're going to give her the deal of a lifetime. And that's absolutely true. I don't deny that. They damn well better if they want to have any chance of getting her to resign. They are going to need to ba- back up a whole dealership of Brinks trucks. If they want to re-sign her. 
because staying independent would be so lucrative for her. But honestly, I don't care how much Big Machine gives her. No matter how much it is, they can't give her what independence gives her, which is the ability to be paid first, to be at the top of the pyramid, to be the boss. Like, as long as you're still under Big Machine's thumb, somebody else is getting paid before you, and you want to be at the top of the pyramid. I mean, look, as I think about this, there's only one deal that I think Big Machine could offer Taylor Swift that I would advise her to take if I was her lawyer. And by the way, if I was her lawyer, you would never see me on this podcast again, man. I'd be like in a beach somewhere, uh, you know, in Aruba or whatever, but I digress. Here's the only deal that I would recommend Taylor Swift sign that Big Machine could give her. She would say to them, I'll resign under two conditions. Condition number one, give me all my masters back. I want them all back. I want the rights to all my masters that you own. Give them all to me. Give me Shake It Off. Give me You Belong With Me. Give me freaking teardrops on my guitar. I get them all back. I own them now going forward. That's condition one. And that is, and if they're not willing to do that, then anything is a non-starter because that's the only leverage Big Machine potentially has is they own these masters. And if they're willing to give them back to her, then maybe we can have a conversation about re-signing. But... That's just the first condition. Condition two, Taylor Swift gets majority interest in the label. It's her label now. Because let's be honest, there is no label without her anyway. According to the Variety article, Taylor Swift is bringing in 80% of Big Machine's income. So she is the label. So if she's bringing in 80% of the income, having 51% of the label doesn't seem that outlandish to me. She's already literally bigger than the label. She's worth more than a quarter billion dollars and Big Machine's been recently valued, I think, at 180 to 200 billion. So she's the big stack at the table here. She could literally buy and sell Big Machine. And that would be the only way that I'd be willing to re-sign with Big Machine if I were her. I want all the masters back and I want majority interest in the label. Anything less than that, and honest to God, she's better off being independent. She has the resources to do this on her own. She has the fan base. She has the money. She has the resources. And she's already in control of so many other aspects of her career. Why wouldn't she be the boss of her recording? Why not fully run the show? Gabe Kubana coming up next. Keep listening to the Break the Business podcast. He is the founder of the Epic Proportions Tour, a music touring company that is partnering with DJ supply company Hercules to bring a hands-on music performance tour to high schools around the country. You can find out more about his project by visiting www.epicproportionstour.com. Ladies and gentlemen, Gabe Kubanda is on the Break the Business podcast. Hey, Gabe, how's it going? Hey, doing great. How are you? I'm doing fantastic, and I'm doing particularly well because from what you have told me, uh, we got a bit of a group conversation here. You brought some of your best Epic Proportions Tour friends to have this chat. Who else do you have on your end? Yeah, well, we got up in here um, our tour manager, uh, Leo Simons. We've got uh, James Mills, the lead singer from People Who Could Fly, as well as DJ Teffler. Uh, thrilled to have you guys all here too. And I'm going to, I'm going to shoot some questions out. If anyone in the group wants to answer them, however you guys want to do it, that works for me. I am so thrilled to have so many, uh, 
fantastic folks from your organization here. But let me start generally, because I know a lot of people are probably curious about what you guys are doing with the high schools and everything. So tell us generally about your project um, and what, what kind of experience are you trying to give for students around the country? So we are, um, uh, we kind of started this uh, to do a couple things. One was to uh, provide a platform on the ground uh, in front of brand new fans and uh, new audiences um, uh, for the bands and myself as an artist. And the other thing uh, that we were trying to accomplish as well would, was to educate the young um, music students at these high schools and kind of uh, inspire them and, and, and let them know how it really is out there in the musical world um, and uh, how that they could uh, you know, pursue their dreams as well. Yeah. What's it been like for you guys to sort of play with that age group? I, you know, it's not normally the typical age group that we would associate as an audience for rock musicians, but I imagine it has to be a rewarding experience to interact with these kids. It, it's super, super cool, man. The kids are great. Um, we always have a blast. Um, we always, uh, rock up to the school, put on a big concert, and then we'll sit down with the music kids and really chat with them about, you know, uh, the life of being a musician and what that entails and how to, uh, kind of turn that, that into a a rewarding career and monetize it. And so it's been great. The kids love the music. Um, we have a blast. Um, they're so energetic. We feed off that energy, you know, and, um, uh, the teachers love it as well. We 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 get them involved as well, and it's it's been a great time. So it's not just a performance element. You guys are really doing some education and outreach too. You're taking these music students aside and trying to impart some valuable lessons to them going forward. That's got to be pretty exciting. Yeah, yeah, it's it's super awesome, and we're we're loving it. Well, all this this really intrigues me, and we've covered a lot of topics on this podcast. We've had you know hundreds of guests at this point and I, I it, it's hard for me to say this but this is definitely a new area for me we've never had a guest on that's talked about you know really making a career out of playing for high schools playing for young students and so if I'm an indie artist and I'm looking at what you guys are doing and I'm seeing a potential opportunity here to find a new audience for my work what what should I do if I want to get into this world? If I want to kind of find these opportunities, play for this kind of group, and maybe even tour the country playing for high schools, how does one uh, get their foot in the door here? Well, uh, for us, it's a simple process of um, submitting. Uh, any band can submit on our website, epicproportionstour.com. There's a link on our bands page um, where uh, artists and uh, bands that want to tour with us and uh, kind of have this crazy experience with us can submit, and it, it's as simple as that. We review the the, the music and the and the videos. Um, we look for clean bands that don't have any cursing or anything uh, anything negative in it. Um, we look for positive type bands, and um, if it's a good fit for the tour for that particular um, tour, then we'll we'll put them on the road with us. And uh, we also, not only do we do uh, the high schools, but we also play a lot of colleges and military bases and festivals. Um, just yesterday, uh, over the weekend, we played at a naval base um, for their surf competition, their annual surf competition. And um, so we were also providing music for the military, too. So it's, it's kind of a really cool way for bands to get a whole encompassing 
uh, uh, view of the music industry by being on our tour. As if your music career wasn't rewarding enough playing for young high school kids, you got to go and perform for the soldiers too. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> it, it's truly a blessing. We we have a blast. <laughs> oh man, that's that sounds like a lot of fun. I mean, I, 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 on this podcast, we talk to all kinds of people who make their career in music in so many different ways. But it sounds like you guys have really found a pretty neat niche for yourself. So I want to talk about that experience of playing for the young people. Um, what is your? How does the show differ? Because I'm sure you've played for plenty of you know clubs and grownups in more conventional venues. So how does your presentation change when you're catering to this particular audience? Uh, for the high schools, we do uh, either uh, large assemblies or we'll do lunchtime shows. Uh, it could be either outside uh, in their quad. It could be in the um, you know, the football field on a stage or inside an auditorium. We're really flexible and, and try to meet the needs of whatever what, what school we're going to be playing at. And we want to make it uh, as easy and painless uh, for the schools and the, um, the administration and the staff as possible. So uh, we bring our full sound system in. We'll set up the show. We'll bring the music kids in. They'll watch us set up. We'll kind of walk them through a typical stage setup for us. Um, sometimes we'll even bring in the music kids and have them learn a song and sing or play with us on stage. They get a little bit of that extra, you know, uh, stage time and confidence. And that's always really fun. And then uh, we'll sit down, we'll go out to the music kids and hang out with them. And, uh, um, it's always a little bit different. We try to cater it to the, the class that we're going to be in at that time, whether it's a choir class or a beginning music class or a jazz band class. Um, and it's, it's a really fun time. So when you're working with this kind of population, it's really critical that you're cognizant of your audience. It sounds like you're not just going to play the same kind of show. You're going to recognize the group that you're working with, really tailor it to them. And, and that's not just on the music side, but it sounds like it's really on the full educational experience side. You know, you're going to get some kids who are interested in music, who are music students. And so you're going to maybe even make it more participatory. It sounds like than you would a conventional show. Exactly. I mean, just uh, last week uh, we were at a high school and we were talking with this be beginning music class and they had all their marimbas out. And um, we taught them how to play an Ed Sheeran song on the marimbas. <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, I've actually never played a marimba before in my life, but we just kind of plunked it out and it was really easy and fun. And we got all the kids were 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 playing uh, the different parts on on their marimbas. And it was so cool to see them get get it and then have fun with it and start jamming on it with us um and uh and then we also you know would have dj tepler in there with his um his dj setup uh, provided by hercules and showing high school kids how easy it is to just start at the beginning stages of just starting to dj and how fun that is to be able to start creating new music from music that's already been created Oh, for sure. And let's talk about those younger kids here. So we often give advice on this podcast, and I feel like most of our population that we're catering to on this show is going to be somewhere in the young adult kind of phase, 20s, 30s. But I do know we have some listeners who are in that teenage range, that 12 to 13 range, the same kind of kids that you're working with at the Epic Proportions Tour. And so I want to give you an opportunity to speak to those kids and lay down some good, solid mentorship here. 
for the 12 and 13 year olds out there who want to do music for a living, who want to, you know, do the kind of stuff that you're doing and that uh, DJ Teffler's doing, what is, what is some advice that you would give them that they should be doing now to kind of prepare themselves for that kind of career? What are some things that when you were 12 or 13, you wish you could do if you go back, if you could go back to have uh, a career in music that you'd really enjoy? Yeah, I think you nailed it on the head when you said, you know, start early. Hmm. Um, and that's something that we really um, talk to the kids and we kind of uh, uh, encourage them to do is to not wait around for anybody else, you know, not wait around for um, to try to find bandmates or uh, to uh, to wait for some level of popularity first, like everyone thinks, you know, um, a big thing we tell the kids is like, you know, they, they see all the American idols and the voice and a lot of these kids are a little disillusioned. They think that they're just going to, you know, try out for the, the voice and then they're going to be all, all of a sudden popular or they're going to, you know, make a YouTube video and they're all of a sudden going to be popular overnight and be famous. And it's like, you know, that's not really how it works. We want them to be realistic in the fact that, you know, a lot of these contestants on the voice and American Idol and stuff like that, they've been performing and, and working on their craft for years, maybe decades, you know, and they maybe have started uh, in junior high or high school, uh, you know, and started with lessons that their parents made them get, you know, and maybe they regretted it at the time, or maybe they didn't like it at the time. Um, I know I had piano lessons when I was a kid in like junior high era, and I hated them. But now I look back and I go, man, I really wish I would have stuck with those and and tried harder and tried better to grasp those concepts so that I would be a better musician now. And so we always tell the kids, you know, don't wait, you know, try to find, you know, kids in your class to play with and to jam out with and to write songs with, make a YouTube channel, do covers, um, be consistent with your practice and be consistent with what you're posting online. Um, all these kind of little things that you would never think of when you're kind of young and just, kind of live in life. Um, but the kids that can really like think ahead and think forward about their musical career, I think have a really big chance of doing something with it. And the online world is really game changing for this particular generation of musicians. When I was growing up and I'm not that much older than most of these, you know, young kids that you're playing for in the high schools, but you know, we didn't have YouTube to sort of collaborate with musicians all over the world and, you know, have this worldwide network to play our music to. Like, uh, I was like you. I had a, had a bunch of people that we played in a garage, and we, you know, we got to play whatever, you know, local open mic was in the area, and that was it for us. But uh, this generation, it's an embarrassment of riches in terms of uh, the opportunities that they have to really hone their craft at a young age. Oh, yeah. It's a game changer for sure, you know, and... um we're, we're actually lucky to have on this tour, um, a lot of the musicians um, do teach music as well on the side um, or when they're not on the road. Uh, and so they can give not only those life lessons of being in a band and what you have to do on your social medias and, and all those kind of things, but also, you know, they are teaching kids. I know Leo's a guitar teacher. Um, you know, uh, Tefler's teaching, uh, you know, DJing, uh, James teaches vocals and, and production and stuff like that. Right, James? And guitar. Yeah. And guitar. Um, I'll teach some vocal lessons every once in a while on, off tour as well. And so, you know, we're all kind of in that mindset of like imparting some wisdom, you know, 
uh, to people. Yeah, my, my favorite kind of musicians, the ones that are truly teachers at heart and want to uh, impart wisdom to the next generation. I love this. And, um, it, you know, it sounds like to really succeed at what you guys are trying to do, you have to have that mindset. It's not just about being musicians. You really have to have that mentoring spirit to cater to this group. And that's great advice to share with my listeners if they're interested in this line of work. So I very much appreciate that. You can find out more about what these folks do by visiting www.epicproportionstour.com. And I'm guessing uh, if you got a high school in the area and and you're looking for uh, a nice band to play there, uh, you could certainly uh, benefit a lot by checking these guys out. Uh, DJ Teffler, James Mills, Leo Simons, and of course, Gabe Kubanda. So excited to talk to you guys. Before we let you go this week, do you have any last tips to share with the indie artist listeners to help them move their careers forward? Oh, yeah, we got tons. What do you guys want to say? <laughs> yeah, let's, you know, how about that? Yeah, let me, let, let me get a tip yeah, let's, from everybody. Let's, let's, let's go let's, around let's, the room here. <laughs> uh, I would say a big one is to go ahead and start meeting as many people as you possibly can in the industry or, you know, you know, find some friends that play music too and, and branch out and start helping each other out being a big uh, community of music that will get them very far. And keep keep playing. Always keep playing with other people and playing around any towns or anywhere, anywhere, basically. Um, I was going to say the same thing about networking. This is DJ Teffler. But uh, most importantly, never burn bridges. Um, mm-hmm. You should never burn bridges in the industry because you never know who that person is, uh, will be in the next five years, you know, and that might be the person who would help you to move to the next step in your career. So, yeah. Really fantastic insight from all you guys. Uh, Such a big fan of what you're doing. I don't know if you guys know this about me, but in addition to being an entertainment lawyer, I'm also an education lawyer. I work with a lot of school nonprofits around the country. And so it, the the educator in me is just so so happy with what you guys are doing and really appreciate you giving back to the next generation uh you can check them out at www.epicproportionstour.com gabe kubanda and the gang please don't be a stranger we'd love to have you on again real soon uh to see how the tour is going oh thanks so much man and you know we have um a bunch of us are coming out with some new music soon as well so you know we'll be having some uh new songs up on spotify and itunes and YouTube, our music videos, uh, myself is uh, uh, GabeCabanda.com or EpicProportionsTour.com. Um, people Who Could Fly's website is... Uh, PeopleWhoCouldFly.com. Nice. <laughs> and Tefler's is... Uh, DJTefler.com. That's T-E-F-F-L-E-R.com. 